some new stuff in the App Store. Well, new new ads at least. New 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 rec- new recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might also like. But you, you might like. Do you do you open the App Store on your phone? Like oh, like very regularly. occasionally. Yeah. Very. I don't really like browse the today tab or the games or the charts or anything like sometimes i need to do something so i'll search to try and find one you know something to help me but that's i don't like browse it that's for sure yeah i mean for me it, it could be like a panel in the settings app or it's just like here's your apps you've downloaded before because like you just don't very add much to the rotation um same and, and like the one the one thing i would go to the app store a lot to do before was i would I I I enjoyed updating my apps, but then they made that so difficult. But I, but still, if you do find like it, you know, it used to be a tab to update, and now it's tap your face and then pull down, pull to refresh, yeah. pull to refresh on a on a um, on a card UI, so you you can actually pull the card out of the way if you pull too hard or from the wrong spot. But I when I when I do do that, there's usually like thirty updates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I see like, that as well. Like the automatic yeah. update machine takes a while some if of that they, is actually intended like the developers can choose to release right. updates on a phased release and if they do that they don't appear in automatic updates unless you manually check for updates so yeah it's not necessarily sense. a bug that's like actually what developers are choosing opting in to do yeah if apple wants me to see app store ads that's where they should put the app store ads is in the updates. oh what in the updates yeah. they should have <laughs> yeah. a featured update yeah. yeah you can find out what's new in this version the problem with the updates yeah. tab is 90% of the updates just say bug fixes and improvements. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, anyway, the story is that this week Apple officially rolled out the ads on the Today tab and in the bottom of app product pages. So you can have an app. I have apps on the App Store. Now if I go and look at the, the product page in the only App Store where I'm allowed to list said app and scroll to the bottom, there's a, there's a paid-for ad for a different application. And this was rough in principle and now it's been rolled out it's even worse because the relevancy of the ads is terrible so many developers were complaining that they're perfectly fine professional productivity app if you scroll to the bottom now it said you also might like this gambling app or this casino app or this you know scummy freemium game thing and so yeah everyone was mad enough when it was just the idea of oh apple's got ads in the app store now they're putting more ads in more places but the fact that this is the the one place where a developer can really express or advertise their own product. Like this is the equivalent of like the homepage, right? For for your app is the your product page in the app store. And now that too has less than kosher advertising in it or can have less than kosher advertising in it. In fact, the app store search ads system specifically lets you sh- say, show ads here that are not relevant to my app. So like you can reach other audiences, but it also means like, Ad relevancy is really low, which feels counter to the fact that it's in a category called you also might like, you know? Yeah. Like, so that that kind of compounded and everyone was, every developer I saw on Twitter this week was complaining that, you know, they had a, a dumb gambling app or a casino app showing up next to their app now and it was, it was annoying. And so Apple has said that they have temporarily paused gambling and a few other categories of apps from appearing in the product page section. So yeah, I mean, they didn't say they plan to do anything about it. They've just temporarily yeah. paused it. I guess while they're hopefully reassessing their priorities inside. They're going to they're charge that category more to make it worth the headache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's two levels of complaints. Like, you know, like you mentioned, there's the whole just like that. This is 
kind of <laughs> un Apple like in, in the past at least. I think it's very Apple like now, but just just to populate the app store with search ads like this um, is is it's one thing that you can complain about. But then also the the lack of relevancy or the just like way off course app categories on on apps pages. Um, I one thing I thought about too when like you know we we covered it in July and then we covered it when it rolled out this week. They call these search ads, and it made sense when they were ads in search results, and that was also kind of okay because like it wasn't it search ads are like at the very top, and then the results are in order below that, and these. But that also felt like Apple's real estate to put ads on if they wanted to, right? Because yeah. that was like the search screen, even the Today tab screen. I like I don't like that they put ads there, but it feels like that's Apple's section. They're you know they're right. doing editorial, they're running no, the, the show. Page. The product the page you... feels more like a developer, individual developer should have some control over what appears there, you know? Yeah, it feels like it feels like that's what you're paying for is that that one listing in the page. And, um, and developers don't get a cut of the ads that appear right next to their apps or anything of that no, nature. Of so there's not. no, is only downside for the app developers that aren't yeah. the big companies actually paying, have the budgets to pay for the ads. Right. The, the search results ads though, I mean, search ads made sense for that because they were ads in search results and now there's still search ads but they're, they're search ads when you're not searching for apps. So like the today the today view, I kind of get it because you're like you're you're browsing, you're looking for recommendations. It's always like lists and editorial and stuff like that. Um, so you know, promoting an ad an, an ad through a, a paid app story it's kind of makes sense to in the search way. But in the in the bottom of app store pages, you know, I don't think that's a search ad at all. Like <laughs> you're not searching. You you found what you're looking for. Um, right, they can right. rebrand it, but that doesn't really help. No. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think about like ads? Apple coming doing more and more ads in general because there's, I think they can get away with it in certain places. Like even the rumored thing where they're going to add it to the Apple Maps app and have sponsored results there. Like putting putting ads in the search stuff, some feels less bad than putting it on the product pages or putting it on like the main screen of the phone. And there's always this this contention between some people would get super annoyed about like the Apple TV Plus or Apple Arcade free trials advertise the top of settings, for instance. But I always distinguish them as more like there's ads for Apple's own stuff and then there's ads for just like random third-party commercials. Because a lot of people, when we posted about the rumor that Apple's going to work on a uh, ad-supported TV Plus tier, there were a lot of comments and replies that I got. People saying, oh, Apple TV Plus already has ads. When you watch a show, there's a trailer before everything, every single thing you click on. And it's like, well, yeah, there is a trailer, but that's kind of different. That's like the house recommendations of other stuff to watch on the service an ad in my head is like if you know walmart or target can appear with a commercial for mm-hmm. a completely unrelated product and you know there's i can certainly undersee why some people would like an option just never no trailers before shows at all or anything of that nature but that feels far less bad to me than just straight up any company here can put placement and here's here's an advertisement uh, yeah. and by the way the tv plus ad support story apple like release a statement to IndieWire, I think, basically like denying it. So who knows if that's going to happen or not. But obviously, Apple is rolling out ads to more and more places. Bloomberg had that report that they want to triple advertising um, revenue up from about $4 billion a year. They want to get into double digits. So, you know, that's about triple uh, at least. And if you look at the App Store, where they've already just doubled the number of places ads can appear this week because you've gone from uh, search ads uh, to the, uh, you know, two extra tabs, essentially. Uh, sorry, search ads, search ads in the 
when you search and they're suggested at the top of the search tab and now there's ads outside of the search tab with the today tab and just any app product page yeah yeah the, i guess for, for me the i don't like it doesn't feel great the the one i mean first i don't open the app store very much you know what we just mentioned um next is i definitely don't scroll to the bottom of apps that I, when i land on the, on the product page and I get that I'm not principle. sure I've seen the you might might also like section as much as I have this week just to see what ads yeah. there because I've never scrolled yeah. that far down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's more on principle than it is on practice for me because like I'm not I'm not scrolling down that far and, and like you you know I think we're a lot of us are like that. Um, but e- even so, I'm not even like I just don't use the apps for that much beyond like what's required because that's the only way you can get the apps that you do want to have. Um, the today view though, like that is one thing where I kind of consider that to be the front page of the app store. It's the first tab. Um, I'm not sure that if you only, like if you left in the games tab a week later, it would open back up in the games tab. I kind of feel like the, the, the today view is like the default where it opens. Um, and with the search, with the search ads, it's top ad, different background color, and then all the results. So it's pretty clear that it's separated almost like, like really similar to what Google has done in the past at least uh, with search results with the today view it's the first story and then the next thing is the ad story which they, they look super similar and on the story like the ad um indicator to ad ratio is like it's it's like it's like one percent of the total thing is the is the word ad and the rest of it just looks native because yeah, on the product page version you have like a fully blue background as well as the little ad label, but the today tab, it just mainly looks like the little ad label and no, no other denotation. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I kind of, I, I don't know. I kind of thought like, you know, if they're, they're going to, even though they're going to do this, they're going to balance it better than they have done. Um, because I, I think like showing you the ad on first launch of the today view without scrolling, like you see half of it and then you scroll and then it's the, the you know, the full thing. Like, if it was like the third or fourth thing in the list, because I do, I don't know, maybe like five or six things per day there. If it was like third or fourth, I think it would be like, oh, well, you, you're engaging with the Today View and, you, you, know, or, you know. But to have it just be like front and center when you first launch feels pretty pretty aggressive. Um, and then the other thought that I've got on this is, you know, of course, you know, they, they paused categories for gambling. Um and that's and and that's about it. I, you know, I guess and and also... only on the product page ads, not on any of the other ads. So yeah, the today yeah. tab can still have that gambling supposedly. Yeah, I, I haven't seen. I, I've been doing a lot of refreshing, like quit the app store and relaunch it, and I haven't seen anything that's like really egregious in, in that category on the today view. It seems to be all like probably like big budget companies doing getting that slot. Um, but I think, it, I mean, even if Apple says we're just not going to have gambling ads on product pages in the, you know, going forward or the adult live chat app that was, that was included, then it, they could, they could just end it there. But I think no matter what, there's going to be categories that you don't want. Like you, you're not going to want your competitor, your direct competitor to buy ad space on your product page. Um, so. And to get to it, your product page, you've probably searched for it, which also means passing another ad that was already shown to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like the problem uh, where I have with the App Store ads, more so than if they put ads in the Maps app, is that if the if you if you make Maps ad supported and you don't like it, you can go and download a different Maps app. But the App Store is the only place to get apps, so you have to have the App Store. You can't decide. Well, it's safe, oh, it's safe this, and secure. 
yeah, safe and secure. <laughs> you you can't be like, oh, this app store is now being too everywhere with ads. I don't like it. Let me try and let me get a different app store with a different business model. It doesn't exist. Maps, if they do add ads, which they probably are going to, and they do annoy you too much, or they get in your way, or they make your experience too frustrating, you can just go and use a different Maps app. But you can't do that with the App Store. And the App Store is already taking 30% of all the purchases that you actually make when you download the app. So they're really stacking up like revenue models from this thing that an individual user and developer has no option but to use. So like the monopolistic levers aren't there to prevent Apple from just adding ads all over the place. Like you mentioned how you might also like is right at the bottom of the, the, the product page. Well, it is now, but I can see <laughs> if they want to try and boost the revenue up a bit. They could just yank it up the product page a few slots, like put it directly below screenshots. So, you know, like what they yeah. could put it right at the top. Like where 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 does it end? Because there's no competitive force, there's no competition for the app store, there's there's no controls, there's no inbuilt way for them to be like, no, we we we, we shouldn't do this. And, and obviously and the, the, the EU and the you know, the US regulators and stuff are kind of looking into it or whatnot. But at some level, you'd hope that just Apple Incorporated would value product experience over money. And they're already making billions and billions of billions from the App Store. Going to the product pages as well felt like a step too far for no good reason. Yeah, and and the, you know, there's no competing App Store on the iPhone, but you can look at other platforms, Android and and the and and what Amazon does to Android, and they've got their App Stores. Uh, I don't know if they do ads. I just you know, I'm just not familiar enough and haven't looked into it. But those those aren't the companies that you're going to expect to put pressure on Apple to not not have this experience. If anything, I think Apple's following their lead. Um, I think Apple also considers these ads like, you know, to not be like the kind of ads you would get on the web or like banner ads and apps and like that kind of a thing, because I think the way they see it is as their native, it's just what's in the store boosted and that it's, if it's in the app store, then it's safe and it's good, even though there's a lot of junk in the app store. So they, I think they feel like these aren't your run of the mill ads. These are just. We're just promoting what's in our store, almost like they're promoting what's in TV Plus when you watch a TV Plus show. It's it's like it's like self promotion. We just make money from it. Um, and but another thing is like you think of the Apple TV hardware box and the OS there as like this is the ad free experience. You have a clean home screen and a TV app without sponsored content all over the place. Um, whereas you know the Fire TV stick is so subsidized because there's a lot of sponsored content like in the carousel view of, of what's on TV, et cetera. And this feel the app store right now feels much more like a fire TV stick with like it's subsidized price based on advertisement compared to the, you know, the Apple TV. But but the product you bought wasn't subsidized. <laughs> not, not in the least. Not yeah. in the least. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, there's a, there's a, you know, having your cake and eating it too. Like there's a, there's a line to draw and, I hope there's a bit of recalibration somewhere in inside Apple that like they can put ads in some places. The the trial stuff in the settings app, for instance, I didn't think it was super egregious. Like obviously it's promoting their own services, but it's also just telling customers that here's a thing you can try for three for three months. I wish they'd make them slightly easier to dismiss. And we've talked best on the show before, like they should have like explicit don't show me this again buttons and stuff. But I I'm okay with that. Like in a purest sense, there shouldn't be those ads in that app either. Uh, but for whatever reason, the App Store situation feels like it's gone too far. Uh, but there's no sign from Apple, apart from this quote-unquote temporary pause on gambling, that they're actually going to change their mind about anything. But yeah. we'll have to keep an eye out. We'll have to see where the ads appear next, I guess. 
Yeah, and the crypto stuff hasn't been paused. Like that's all over the place still. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I looked at Apple's product page listings for like for the podcast app, and it was a SEO spam crypto app. Yeah, you can um, also, like find Safari's app, and just yeah. there's a different ad there every single time you open the the, the page. There's a different ad. Yeah. I guess Safari's just so universal. By the way, yeah. the arcade tab, those product pages for the arcade games, no ads on them at all. No ads on the Mac App Store either. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> because they would get no engagement. Same for the Apple TV App Store and the Watch App Store. Um, <laughs> I saw a term this week that Steve Charlton Smith used that it was kind of new to me, and I like the idea of it, which was uh, paid-up Apple ID, and as, as to mean you subscribe to all of Apple services, and if you don't have a paid-up Apple ID where you're a customer of everything, your experience is just a lot different. Um, and, and, you know, I don't see that experience because I have a paid up Apple ID, as he said. Um, but another, another part of this is, you know, is, is there is there any room for, you know, if you're an Apple one premier customer that you have a premier experience in the app store, too? Like, I, I don't think so. But um, that, that could be a consideration in the future. But if, if this is if, if the biggest concern is just tastefulness and you you know, you have ad-free experiences all over the place, you know, op- options at least. And in this case, you know, you don't. Um, will Apple leverage that as, as, a, as, a, as a marketing tactic for their subscriptions in the future? Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available so you can make a decision with confidence. Every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. They give you the confidence. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn is just so ubiquitous. Uh, My brother started his first job at uni recently, and I know that LinkedIn was one of the places he went through. So to reach an audience of the world's largest professional network of about 810 million people, go on LinkedIn Jobs at linkedin.com slash happy hour and create a few a free job post in just minutes. Making a post is really easy. You can get started with the job title, description, place of work, and employment type. And you can also list the necessary skills that you're looking for. And when you add your job post, you can add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal directly that you're hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people. When you make the job post, add screening questions to filter and focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for, so you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. And that's some of the reason why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires. So finish the year strong by finding the right team member for your business with LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour that's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free terms and conditions apply thanks to linkedin jobs for sponsoring the show uh, what's next somebody is leaving apple evans hanky which when we post this story a lot of people assume was a man <laughs> but evans hanky is the woman who was leading apple's design group who took over the top job after johnny i departed the company uh, she kind of was like lead along uh, in terms of industrial design and then alan die is the uh, lead for software design uh she is going to leave as part of a six-month transition they haven't named a replacement yet which is the i guess the most notable part of this story like evans hank has worked with apple for a long time so the fact that she wants to move on not the craziest thing in the world you can draw your own inference from that if you want to but some people just want to move on and do different stuff or they give up or you know their time to retire and, and whatnot 
Uh, but I think what's curious is that they haven't had a replacement immediately named to take her role. So she's staying on for six months while they try and find someone. Unclear if they're going to hire, they're going to promote from within, find somebody external. But this is just another example of like one of Apple's like core design team members deciding their time is up and maybe leaving a hole there where it wasn't before. When you know, go back five or ten years ago, Apple's design group was so so prestigious; it was so rare to hear of any changes in the team there at all. I think for. Uh, at least at one point like apple's design team hadn't had anybody quit for like a decade or something there was some run there where it's just unbelievable but since johnny ives departed a lot of people left with him like his like closest allies i guess and now evans hankey is was supposed to be johnny ives replacement but i'm sure when apple gave her the job in 2019 they didn't expect it to be leaving after only three years so it's kind of a curious situation yeah and if you're interested in that topic you may like gambling crypto and uh adult video chat apps that's, <laughs> that's what i've got yeah i mean I, this... I mean maybe she left because she didn't like the direction the company's going and that's possible yeah yeah i i don't know a lot about evans hankey you know there, there's been uh very there's been like like very minimal uh press exposure of evans hankey uh i mean we discussed this a few weeks ago of course like the 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 odd the oddness of like Johnny Ive was front page on the leadership page for the longest time even before he was elevated to VP of or, or design design lord um, and and then they didn't do that with this position. The only thing I know about Evan Hankey really is is that she has the beat up iPhone in the in the designed by Apple in California book mm. and that's cool. That's all. That's all I know. Um, I mean, I think she would like a lot of the design group is very secretive, so you don't fully know what they will do. But she was definitely like leading the team. She was arranging stuff. She was organizing people. She was obviously essential. Probably also, you know, we say three year run. Probably. So so that takes us to 2019. Probably more like a six or seven year Mm. run with the, you know, most of his foot out the door, Johnny Ive before. Well, the interesting thing was when he looked like he was leaving in 2015 when he got promoted to that chief design officer role, yeah. they named two new heads of industrial design and software design, right? One was Alan Dye, who still is software design chief, and the hardware industrial design person was Richard Howorth. Who, who must not have enjoyed the experience. It, who obviously didn't enjoy it, but he wasn't named on that page for a good two years before right. we had the flip-flop around. Uh, but I guess... Now that Evans Hankey's leaving, he's probably one of the people they're going to offer the job to, but maybe he didn't like it. And so that's why maybe they didn't like had it an or maybe... replacement ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a, being a member of a team is so much different than being the leader of a team. You know, you, you yeah. can really enjoy your work that way. And that's a good way to ruin your enjoyment. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, just in general, the story came out of nowhere. Mark, Mark Herman reported at Bloomberg and it's like, whoa, that's. Big. Yeah, so I guess we'll see by in about six months' time whether they've actually found someone, a, a person to take the job. They must have added Evans Henke to the car team, and that's what happens when you're on the car team. You, <laughs> uh, you had a big story this week, I think, that you were like the first to report it and only one for a while, which is that Apple's increasing their prices of their subscription services, uh, namely Apple Music for the first time, and TV Plus, which seemed inevitable. Uh, and the bundle prices for the for the the bundle the Apple One bundle that includes both of those uh, break down the price changes. What, what are those? Yes, yeah, so Apple Music was nine ninety nine a month. Now it's ten ninety nine a month. 
Uh, TV Plus was four ninety nine a month. Now it's six ninety nine a month. So that's a two dollar increase, about forty percent. It's quite quite significant. And then the Apple One bundle price has also gone up in unison by three dollars because music went up by one and TV went up by two. So Apple isn't giving you any discount for bundling them together. The price raise on Apple One is three dollars uh, on all tiers. Uh, obviously, there's you know slightly more complicated uh, setups because you can also get annual plans of Apple Music and TV Plus. Those prices also risen roughly to the same percentages, but you know it doesn't 100% work out just because that's how like mouse works. Um, and then on Apple One too, if you're on individual, you've gone from 16.95 to 14.95, and if you're on Premiere, you've gone from 29.95 to 32.95. So three dollars across the board. And obviously, if you're in an international market you'll the exact numbers will be slightly different because currency conversion but approximately those same increases are being seen around the world uh it's just obviously the the u.s price is the head sticker price Uh, customers are notified in advance of any price changes so apple doesn't try and like hide it under a bus and you know just roll out without you getting permission you'll get a notification uh, 30 days prior to the service renewing at the higher price it gives you an opportunity to cancel if you don't want to anymore uh but the prices went into effect literally on that week for new subscribers so on music and this is the first like you said this is the first time apple's increased the price on both music and on tv plus um, music's obviously been around since 2015 tv plus been around since 2019 on music apple blamed increased licensing costs for at least part of the reason why the price is going up by a dollar so they're saying that they have to pay higher royalties and so to offset the royalty costs they're increasing the thing by a dollar. They said that songwriters and artists will actually get paid more money per stream now as a result of these changes, as like a positive, I guess. <laughs> but I presume also Apple's also making more money per user as well, um, because they could have just kept the price at nine and, and absorbed the the cost increase to the partners, but they didn't. And then on the TV side, they basically said that they introduced TV Plus in 2019 with a very limited selection of shows and movies. I mean, quite literally, they started with eight total. <laughs> And so they came in with a very low price. And now that the catalog has expanded and continues to grow, they have now decided it's time to increase the price to six ninety nine per month. Yeah, the, the TV changed for me. I mean, like like I mentioned a moment ago, it feels like it was just a matter of time because they did introduce it at such a low price, and every streaming service for video goes up over time um, because because they do start low, so they can gain gain uh, subscribers, and then they increase it when they feel better about the business, but. Um, the music one is really interesting to me because like, the story, you know, seven years ago was that it was sort of a race to the bottom in terms of like how low could you price your music subscription service? I think like there could never be a situation where Apple priced it lower than Spotify because of the label agreements. It would whoever went lower would be matched. Um, and now we're going the opposite direction where it's a- Apple increased and they increased before anybody did. So in the in the advertise you know they say well we've got lossless and spatial audio and all these other things which is true um a lot, a lot of things you just don't use that you just care about the music um but in the same week uh ceo of spotify daniel elk i believe is his name was i think he spoke to reuters or some somewhere and he said that he was that they were looking at the the at what they could do with price now you know i guess apple apple doing it first it opens the floodgates for everybody else to do it which is so the opposite of what it was initially when there was a just how low can can it legally go? Yeah, because I think based on what uh, the CEO of Spotify said, that it, they're going to match the price sometime soon. Yeah. But at least right in this instant now, Apple Music is more expensive than Spotify. And because 
yes, they do have some differences in lyrics and lossless and spatial and stuff, but the core music experience is identical across both servers. It's just, yeah. it's just a fact. You can argue a bit about user experience, but uh, uh, at the at the basic level, both services offer the same content. So people generally pick the one that's cheaper, and that's why Spotify is more popular because they have the ad-supported one, which is free. Yeah, free tier, right? Yeah. yeah. And the ad-supported tier then has like network effects because you get all the social features on Spotify that then convince some people to upgrade to paid or whatever. Um, but if you looked at the paid tiers, Apple Music and Spotify have been the same price for as long as I can remember. There's some rumors that Spotify is going to in- introduce a new like Spotify premium tier that will be like $20 a month and include um, lossless and Atmos and some other features. Which that Apple, Apple really, didn't charge more for. Which Apple just... didn't charge more for, right. But... I mean that's going to be that's going to look good for Apple if they do introduce that stuff at those prices. But the core the core music experience does not care about those features. They're nice, don't get me wrong. I like spatial audio music, but most consumers are just looking at the base prices because that's what they actually care about. And right now, Apple Music is more expensive. I listened. But to, I think it's not going to last for very long. Yeah, I listened to the Taylor Swift album Midnight's, and it was spatial audio. Like I guess all my settings were that if it's spatial audio and with the AirPods to play it that way. And I listened to it like that way for the first few times. And then I thought, oh, I need to turn off spatial audio and see how it sounds. And I always prefer it with spatial audio turned off. Like it, 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 things don't sound as separated, but everything sounds like it also sounds just normal and like full volume mm-hmm. versus the other way around. Um, we, we discussed a little bit of this too before, uh, earlier this week, me and you, that they, they, they didn't pair it with we're increasing the price and we've got these new features to go with it because you know, if it was, and you get lossless, like I don't use lossless. Um, I think the majority of people don't use lossless. Then it would be, I don't, I don't use that. So I don't want to pay more for it. Same thing for spatial audio. So it's definitely best, I believe, to to just do this on its own without a feature that you could say I use or do not use. Yeah, because now it's just, well, here's the price. Whereas if it was, here's the price, but we're increasing the price and we're reducing spatial audio, everybody would be like, I don't want to pay spatial audio. Why did I pay extra? Yeah. Um, if you're going to do a price increase, I guess it makes sense to just do it on its own thing. They did mention that the classical music service is on the way, uh, but they didn't <laughs> give any details about availability. Uh, so you can't blame the price increase just on the fact that they're now offering a classical music service dedicated as well. Which, which could be its own price increase. I don't know. <laughs> no, they, they, I, I don't think there's any indication they're going to charge extra for it. Yeah, it's going to be a separate experience. But, I mean, they might, but they haven't. It sounded like they were just going to give it as a you know, the same subscription will get you access to both main Apple Music and Apple Music Classical when it's when it's available. On on TV Plus, quickly, I, I obviously we've been expecting a price increase. There's, you know, there's some analysts out in the world that think that TV Plus is just like a branding exercise for Apple. And so if you have like Hollywood people in movies with the Apple logo on, it somehow just makes the iPhone better. Doesn't make any sense to us. It's always been bogus speculation doesn't make they, no, TV Plus is a service to increase yeah. revenue and that means it's a business just like Netflix or any other Disney Plus or anything like that and every single week we're covering stories about or at least seeing stories of you know Apple's ordered this new 50 million dollar 100 million dollar project for TV Plus they have to pay for that somehow the price was obviously going to rise they're losing money on TV Plus as it is just guaranteed you know they're, they're spending about three to four billion dollars a year on content and they, 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 whatever amount they're bringing in, I guarantee you, it's not that much. So obviously the price was going to go up. I was expecting the price to go up a bit later. Like this feels slightly premature to me. Like a forty percent increase with the catalog they have now feels a little pushing it. I was expecting them to go to about seven ninety nine, like maybe the end of next year or something. But 
So I guess it's kind of like splitting the difference there, but it just feels not great. Uh, it just basically in my head, and you know, I've been on Apple One since it's come out, so the calculus is slightly different. But if you're just a TV Plus subscriber, uh, I was kind of feeling like just about round about now ish, the four ninety nine price was like fully justified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and now they've pushed to six ninety nine, which because like they they said they introduced it at four ninety nine at a very low price because their co- their catalog was small. But I mean, they literally launched with eight shows, so eight shows for four ninety nine a month was ridiculous not ridiculous because they launched it and people did buy it but you know obviously not super popular yeah and it was free trials and everything like that to mitigate it but clearly 4.99 for eight shows was never gonna be sustainable that's why they added new shows every single month and more recently they've been adding you know something new every single week which is great but that trajectory has to continue and has to stay constant for it to really feel worth it like if you mainly care about movies tv plus is not a great value like they add four or five movies a year you know, if you love movies, you can watch their entire movie catalog in under a month doing one per night, right? And this is three years into the service. Like, as obviously, they're never going to go for volume in the in the way that something like Netflix does, which is fair enough. But there is a there is a minimum bar you have to reach. And I feel like on the movie side, they haven't they haven't got there. Their pipeline's pretty good, but they haven't what they've actually released today is not the volume isn't there. And on the movie side, especially, a lot of the movies aren't particularly well received. Let's say about half and half. But then if you're taking like a, you know, a 20 movie catalog and divide it by two, that's 10 films you could have watched in the last three years. Like it doesn't feel like great value. If you include the television stuff, and again, it, a lot of this comes down to personal preference and what you like. Uh, it does, but it, it kind of like balanced out to like 4.99 being about right. Uh, but now it's gone to 6.99. Definitely feels like they maybe jumped slightly too soon on this. Uh, maybe, maybe they should have waited another year for the content library to expand even further for them to get even more hits, like, you know, along the likes of like Ted Lasso and Severance and stuff before pushing it. But they obviously run the numbers and they think they can do it. So here we are. Yeah. The percentage increase, I mean, it's, it's factual, but it's also, it comes off strong because the numbers are so low to change it by $2 makes it sound like it's a huge, the percentage increase is massive. Um, the thing is similar to music. They, they did this without, you know, any new features, obviously. Um, but, but also without like anything major new coming to the service. So it isn't like they, they didn't wait until Ted Lasso season three premiered mm. and then changed the price. Um, you know, that's, that's well in the next year. I mean, maybe you could speculate that under their original plans, Ted Lasso season three was going to be out around now yes, and it got delayed. True. So maybe they always planned to put up the price and they were like, we can, we can get it roughly in line with the Ted Lasso season. But we obviously all know that the season has been delayed till next year. So yeah. that, that hasn't happened. And then uh, for but the- yeah, it's not like they've like waited for like a big, I guess, I mean, it depends on your perspective, but they do have like the Will Smith movie in December. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be big, whether you're going to individually watch or not comes down to your opinion, Will Smith, but that is a big film for them. That's, that's the one that they bought to do the, the brand prestige, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really doing well for the brand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like the price is going up. They obviously feel like they can do it. I mean, one one theory is that in success, people put prices up, i.e. if the service is doing well and people like it, then you can extract more value out of them by putting the price up. And if you want to buy, go by that metric, TV Plus must be doing pretty well. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they didn't put up the price of Apple Arcade, for instance, which also has had a content library expand significantly since it came out in 2019, but its prices remained the same at 4 99 a month. Uh, I don't know. We'll, 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 like they obviously do have all the internal metrics. They know how many subscribers they got. They can do the modeling on how many people think they're going to cancel. They obviously must think this is revenue accretive. And in the scheme of you know, 
uh, Netflix price going up, Disney Plus's price is going up, like Disney Plus is going price is going up by three dollars in not too long. Um, those other companies though have introduced ad supported tiers to kind of mitigate the price increases. Uh, Apple so far has not done that, so that might no. be something we'll see in the future. But at least right now they seem to have be pretty sternly saying they're not going to venture into doing commercial supported TV Plus tier. Yeah, the the bundle aspect for me is interesting to look at too because I I, I will to me the services that are essential are Apple Music. Um, and I, and I have the family plan. So it goes from what was 10 to 15 and now it's, what is it? 12 to 16 or 17. I don't know. Anyway, the Apple music is essential for me. Um, arcade is because my kids enjoy it so much and I enjoy them not having ads and, and app purchases in the games that I encourage them to play. And, and then iCloud storage is also essential for me. And iCloud storage price didn't change. They also didn't like change anything with the free tier or with the, the different service tiers, you know, how much storage you get for money. Um, you used to, maybe like once or twice in history, they would increase the amount of storage you get and keep the prices the same, but that hasn't happened in a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I do kind of want to look at like break down the, the bundle price uh, and see like, how how it affects versus buying individually. But I think that by just including iCloud in there, it makes it make sense for me still. Um, one final question on this. Do you think that there are more Apple TV plus only subscribers or more Apple TV plus and a bundle subscribers? Because mm. I think the bundle price helps hide the, the cost increase versus if Even it was the bundle alone. price is going up. Yeah. Just the same. Yeah. Uh, that's a hard question. Like, because there probably are more people on the bundle, but that doesn't like what counts as a TV plus user in the bundle. Like if you have the bundle, but you've never watched anything on it, does do you still count as a TV plus subscriber in that metric? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a hard by usage, like by people that are actively watching the service, I would imagine that it's, um, there's more people watching it on individual subscriptions. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, if you, if you individually subscribe to it, you're probably going to watch it more than if it's included. And then maybe you check it out. Maybe you just ignore it and you, you save on something else yeah like the bundle it's yeah. i think there's more people than people think who have like apple music and tv plus and nothing else or have spotify and therefore don't want the apple one bundle because they don't want to pay for the music because they have spotify anyway so then uh. they get like icloud storage and tv plus because they have a show they like or whatever um even if it's just like one or two shows a year people generally don't unsubscribe so if you like ted lasso and you like something else you know there's a subscriber um I re- so I, if you want me if you're including like you know normalized for usage I bet individual subscriptions are more than than Apple One is because also like Apple One is a good deal if you can use it but a lot of people can't use it for instance if you're a Spotify user um the benefit the you know the cost the cost value proposition there's a lot more complicated because you have to like stop using Spotify and switch to Apple Music and yeah, stuff why so. why won't Apple bundle Spotify with with Apple <laughs> TV it doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, so so it, it, uh, just to recap Apple Music Classic is on the way Crossfade is Android only and everything's going up in price <laughs> what a summary <laughs> Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by Jamf Jamf is the only company in the world that provides complete end-to-end management and security solutions for Apple at work Jamf's purpose is to simplify work with an offering that is enterprise secure consumer simple and of course, protecting personal privacy. You can use Jamf for your organization to set up zero-touch deployment for your Apple devices and then manage their entire lifetime with your employees. Jamf believes that an organization should not be limited in their ability to deploy the latest Apple technology based on what their vendors can support. And by being dedicated to Apple-specific solutions, they have an unrivaled platform-wide offering and promise same-day support for new Apple software releases. 
For instance, Jamf just delivered same-day support for macOS Ventura earlier this week. Today, more than 60,000 organizations trust Jamf to manage and secure more than 27 million devices worldwide. Learn more about the solutions and products that Jamf provides at jamf.com slash 9to5mac. Once again, that's jamf.com slash 9to5mac. Thanks to Jamf for sponsoring the show. Breaking news, Apple Music Live presents a special performance from Megan the Stallion. Woo, I'm glad I'm paying him for that. <laughs> Price increase explained. Uh, also this week, we've got iOS 16.1, uh, tvOS 16.1, watchOS something point one. 6.1 or 8.1, something. Yeah, I'm reading, the, I'm reading the notes that I did not write. Yeah, 6.1 is wrong. Um, I'm now like a teleprompter reader, just reading whatever it says. So I think it's nine. We're on WatchOS nine. Now, nine point one. Yeah, yeah. WatchOS yeah. nine point one. Yeah, and macOS is thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, can I just say the iPad? I get it, but the iPad version is sixteen point one, which is the launch version of iPad OS sixteen, and then the launch version of of macOS Ventura is thirteen point zero, right? So, and and it's the whole you know iPad is iOS, but marketed differently and. You know, obviously feature targeted differently, but they just I mean, kinda, I kind of wish they just put all, all of them on the same number. I mean, yeah, yeah. We just yeah. had number soup literally thirty seconds ago. So yeah, can we just everything is is it, well, they did that with the Apple TV, right? They just they just jumped to the the yeah, latest they just number. at the iOS number. Yeah, yeah. iOS number matters. They they should also match the iOS number with the A chip number and the iPhone number. Let's let's do that. <laughs> um, this brings live activities to third party developers. So not not Apple, interestingly. So during the sixteen point one beta season, they had the TV app with the sports scores, and we spoke about it, right? And it was pretty yep. cool and stuff. But that has actually been removed in sixteen point one. So you can't use the TV app live activity in sixteen point one. Just yeah. the curiosity. You got to go to the next segment that we talk about, which exactly, is sixteen point two. Stay tuned. Yeah, I I I'm, I'm there, uh, and so I tried it out with a basketball game this week, and I don't I don't know if you know this, but basketball activity updates super frequently um like ball possession and and scoring is all very fast compared to baseball which is very slow uh like it's the total opposite and so comparing the live activity of a baseball game on on you know with the tv app to a basketball game it's just so different like it's 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 more like a live stream Mm. um when you do it on a basketball game which feels kind of chaotic like it's (laughs) So in that case, maybe you're just really better off watching. But what what I did find is that now, I guess they've, they've added some stuff and we've also discovered some stuff where it's easier to manage what's in the dynamic island and the secondary island and how you can dismiss music or dismiss... With, with like the um, left to right swipe gestures, yeah. It, right, yeah. And so that was beneficial this time around where I could say, well, you know, I, I don't want to see the now playing thing from my, which is my TV, you know, and... and so that's that's nice, but um, live activities, third party apps. Uh, first of all, have you used are any of the apps that you use every day? Have you seen live activities in those? No, not yet. Same, and there's a lot of great examples of live activities in third party apps. I mean, the app store obviously has a section to promote it. We've seen a lot of apps like like Apollo for Reddit. I mean, there's a lot of them that are doing live activities. I think Apollo's version of it is to do optionally thread comments as a live activity, which is pretty clever. Yeah, and and Uh, to answer your question, I do use Apollo, but I I don't have any interest in putting comments in my dynamic island. Sure. I 
Yeah, I'm not. I've I've used Apollo a lot in the. It's like it is the best Reddit client, but I don't, I'm not like a daily user. I'm not even sure if I've got it on my phone right now. It's a great app though. Yeah, I but, I do use Apollo like every day. So yeah. I forgot they'd actually rolled out the um, the activity yeah. stuff. But I just I will I'm not interested in their particular activities implementation. Yeah, is uh, the other one I guess is Flighty, isn't mm-hmm. that Ryan Jones app? Which people enjoyed that. Uh, I, that, I that, fly- that 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 was teased at the September event. Like they got heads up, so they were part yeah. of the iPhone 14 like Dynamic Island and Shul market. And it. Yeah, and it was the only one that shipped on day one. <laughs> yep, yep, and yeah. it does look very good. Like you can get yeah. gate information if you have an upcoming fl- if if you have an upcoming flight three hours before it it starts a live activity for you. Um, mm-hmm. You can optionally turn it off if you don't want to start automatically, but as long as you've opened the app within the last three hours, it will put the live activity on, which means on the iPhone 14 Pro you get the dynamic island support. It puts your gate number, time of arrival in the island. If your plane is delayed or something significant happens, the island will expand to show you an update of what's changed. And then it'll just, you know, zoom back down and sit in the island. You can see um, t- time till boarding. If your gate number changes, it will flash and change the thing. Even after you take off, they estimate your progress. So even though you haven't got internet because you're in the sky, the, the progress bar will, like, based on when you left, it will estimate your time of arrival and everything like that. So they got a really nice implementation. If, if It can be in the island. It can be on the lock screen, like, always on. There's another benefit there if you have the always on display. So... I think the Flighty app implementation is a great example of like this actually working really, really well. And yeah, I believe it, Uber Eats, the app, has support for live activities in the update, but it's not enabled on their back end. So you can't actually do it yet, but like it's built into the um, the code. So obviously Uber Eats is like a pretty popular mainstream application. And yeah. so that is one where I feel like that's the, the biggest company I've seen so far adopt it, even though it's not actually rolled out yet. Yeah, like Uber proper, you know, for just the, the ride service. I don't think it's there yet. Starbucks it's not there yet, there. but that would be a great example of something that would benefit from this. So you could get like your 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 car's on its way, blah, blah, blah. My daily one, or not daily, but my regular one probably will, will just be, it'll probably just be Starbucks. So. Starbucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't use a lot of apps, but um, yeah, so that's nice. Uh, and I don't know, if you, did you see that in, uh, in, in the next beta version? There's... Uh, more live like live with more updates as a concept no I haven't seen, seen that yeah mm. okay well maybe we'll talk more about that next week but apparently in 16.2 there's there's a, the ability to update more frequently that's um, cool so you can define your level of live liveliness so and then um, some um mm-hmm. other stuff in 16.1 that's just worth noting uh shared photo library is out which yep. is cool fitness plus is available without an apple watch which is how it probably should have been from the beginning um <laughs> uh, clean energy charging so if you want to be more environmentally conscious you can enable that option which will based on your location figure out when the grid is using less carbon so then it will charge your iphone then and matter support officially rolls out in the home app matter which still doesn't really matter but maybe soon maybe soon yeah 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 we should we should we should get we should uh, talk about ventura so I'll, I'll quit pulling from the next segment uh macros ventura is out it, it's uh I don't know. For me, it's I've ran the betas all summer. For you, it's brand new. So, what what do you think? Yeah, uh, a couple of things I want to point out. AI upgraded without much hassle. It did take forever, like all Mac updates do, but it was fine. Uh, first thing I noticed is, I mean, obviously I know the features because we do this podcast and stuff. But in terms of yeah. like my daily usage, the first thing I noticed, mail search is way better, just like they did on iOS with iOS sixteen. You can now actually use mail search. And Ventura and actually get what you're looking for. It's really great. It's super fast. It finds everything I'm looking for. It's how it should have been for the last decade, but they finally fixed it. So I'm thrilled about that. 
That makes a real difference to my workflows, I'm sure, uh, and I'm sure a lot of you out there too. A continuity camera is the thing where you can like mount your iPhone and use it instead of your webcam. I have no interest in using this feature for real because I don't use a webcam that often, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> and if I did, I'd probably just get an actual webcam because I don't want to like have to mount my phone every single time I want to use the video camera. Uh, but the it paired immediately the the quality and the of the stream is very high you can like the lag between you doing something with your phone even though it's wireless and it's showing on the camera feed is very minimal so i was impressed with the feature from a technological perspective and the desk view thing i think it's weird that it's like a separate app but the it did it did, it did work as advertised it did show the desk view using the ultra camera um, and and with better resolution and quality than i expected it to so from a technological perspective um, standpoint i was impressed by that but i don't know if i'm actually going to use it day to day i know you bought the um the official mount thing right yeah i bought the belkin uh the belkin mount for it and it comes in two colors black or white i got black i think it looks great uh it's a magsafe uh product so it just snaps on the back of your iphone it is confusing it's not intuitive at first i i thought i would just you know is you hang your phone on your on your laptop display cool well, I, I did everything wrong. And so at first I was having no luck at all with like getting the camera to actually look correctly. And then I read the box and it's like, you know, it's got this this hinge on it that's got a hole in it. And that's meant just to be a a, a, a ring on your phone or a stand like 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 a pop socket. Um, and the actual part that the, that the phone or that the mount needs for the phone for the camera feature is just a tiny little ledge. That's rubber that I thought was to prevent the metal part from touching your phone or your screen. No, um, but but I've tried it out. It works. It works uh, portrait landscape mode wirelessly. I think if I was actually using this feature for like, you know, appearing on a video for anything professional, I think I would use continuity camera because the differences are uh, noticeable enough versus the built in webcam because you've got a thick camera instead of the thin one in your display. But I think I might also, even though wireless seems to work great out of the box, I think I might also want to just go wired in that case, just just because it's like one less thing that could go wrong. Um, you can see your iPhone battery percentage when you're using this mode. Uh, the the FaceTime camera on the MacBook Air, you've, you've got your options for effects there are, um, the, you've got the option to do portrait, you know, blow your background. And with the phone, you've got the option to do portrait as well which is probably better than than what the macbook does in general and then you've also got the option to do um center stage mm -hmm. when it follows you around and i do think that's better than what's on the, the the studio display in terms of quality and everything because it is a phone camera which is pretty good and then you've got the option to do like portrait lighting to just kind of darken your background and lighten up the foreground and that works well as well so it, I, I do not like the idea of hanging a thousand dollar phone off the back of the, the back of the, the thin MacBook air display and just the weight proportion. It all feels so, so wrong, but, and, and it kind of looks goofy, but if you're, if I'm in a private environment and I'm doing, appearing on a video online or something professionally, then I think I would do it. I think, I think in it pinch, would be, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's practical. I think it looks better than the, I had the Logitech 4K Brio webcam from many years ago, and they eventually adapted that to be the, the Pro Retina Display XDR camera, and they just made it flat and magnetic. Um, 
and I've I, that one you get a lot of controls for. You can you can make it like ultra wide, or you can you can zoom in pretty far and that or pretty close in. The thing with continuity camera is the one point version. There's there's no real zoom option. You've got either just fixed view or uh, center stage. And center stage, I think for me worked the best, even though it's the the not what you know it is like the best quality. It's not the best um, camera lens, yeah. Yeah, the best camera lens. I think just for like getting me in the box the right way without me having to move around in weird ways relative to my computer. Uh, I think that might be the, the I th- I actually, in, I enjoyed that. I thought that was, that was good. The, uh, you got, I got a phone call when I was in continuity camera mode and you, you get a Mac notification that tells you the phone number calling you. And I don't have the call on the Mac, you know, feature turned on. Cause that drives me crazy when all my devices ring for one phone call. But I did get the alert for that, and it was just like a, a single tritone notification, and then it showed me uh, who was calling, and then I could ignore that, and it was that was good. Um, the the always on display. <laughs> if you are in public doing this, uh, your screen's outward facing, and so you got an iPhone and always on display. I guess it's going to light up there, <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, if, 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 if the automatic aspect of it all, you know, you, you can you can change manually or you can do it automatically where if the phone is in range, it's in like in the right position and close enough, it'll just switch to automatically. I think that's that's pretty good. Uh, the microphone, I was doing a comparison with our colleague, uh, Seth Kurkowski, and I think he. I think he thought I was it, it was mixed results on comparing the MacBook Air microphone to the iPhone microphone, but he ended up liking the MacBook Air better than than the iPhone microphone so you know maybe I should when, test when that mounted one. yeah when mounted exactly yeah and I think you know the, the MacBook Air has got what the, the mics all over the place compared to the iPhone having it you know in one place at least facing when the camera's looking at you so that kind of makes sense so I think that's something to be mindful about is is you know maybe maybe use the the phone camera and then the computer microphone unless you're doing AirPods or something or an actual microphone but I mean, I, I I think my best web my my best uh my my best online video appearance setup now is my iPhone and my podcast microphone like that combination, which is um weird to think about, but yeah, and, and just in general the the adapter or the, the mount, I mean, it's it's made to always go on your phone if you want to do that. I I I switch between MagSafe accessories like the wallet and the battery and just wirelessly charging with MagSafe. So there's not one thing that I keep on the back of my iPhone. But um, if this is something that you actually use all the time, then you could just keep this on there and use it as a sort of pop socket or stand when you're not using continuity camera. And then it's just right there to throw on your your laptop display when you are. So the desk view that's you said you got a good experience with that i i can't do it i don't i I can make it happen but i can't get it to not look warped and you do have a zoom option there where you can change how much is showing um and they they even recommend you know these are the the viewing angles that you should have your your display at to support the best experience and um i i just i got things like my hands were super warped the edges when I was trying to like show something like just the product box mm. and then the center looked normal. Um, and then things like if I wanted to show, like go through an, on, on the iPhone and like demonstrate something, uh, there, there really wasn't control over the focus. So 
like I, I'd want to click the focus to be on the iPhone screen and and have that be visible versus you know blown out and then have the desk there. So I think there's a, there's a lot of things that you could do, and in that case, they lower the brightness of the phone, but then maybe it's hard for you to see. But there's a lot of things that they could do to improve this feature. But the 1.0 version works. It works. Uh, there there are things in in macOS Venture that that didn't work in the beta very well, and that still don't work for me. And I'm not on the beta of that anymore. Like um, the 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 FaceTime switching, where mm-hmm. where you you're on a call on the Mac and you want to go to your iPhone or, or vice versa. The UI is there, and maybe people have a good experience with this, but for me, it's never in the beta period, it definitely did not work for me. It would always end the call, and I would have to hang up and call again instead of it actually like seamless. Maybe I had like one experience where it worked, and then in future betas, it never worked again. Um, same thing with like the release version of macOS Ventura and the release version of iOS 16.1. Um, no betas there. I did the same thing where, okay, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a call on the Mac and I want to move it to the phone cause I'm going to leave. And, uh, it just, it just hangs. And then eventually you just have to hang up and call again for it to work. So, um, mix, mix results there. Uh, and then lastly, <laughs> talk about, I guess their stage manager. What do you think? Yeah, I think we'll have to save full stage manager discussion for another time just because I, I have used it, but I'm still kind of like trying to decide if i like it or not like the it's confusing and it's i haven't quite wrapped my brain around the metaphors of like what the stages and the piles do yet which maybe is an indictment of it being a not very intuitive feature or maybe it's just one of those things where like because i think spaces are confused people didn't done before but you get used to it and then you actually use it but for me right now stage manager as like the actual metaphors of window management is still kind of like a bit of an enigma <laughs> like it's like well, I guess I can do this and put these windows there, but then what happens if I click here or I make a new window here? Where's it going to go? Is it going to open in this thing? Is it going to open in a different stage? What's going to happen? How do I add to this stage? Because sometimes you do the same thing twice and it feels like it does something different both times. So I'm still kind of figuring that out um, on the Mac. But one comment I did have immediately, because I immediately tried it after I updated, of course, but the comment I immediately have is the animation when you're switching stages is way too severe for my taste. Like the whole window zoops down into the little sidebar and it zoops back up when you click on something else. It is so extreme. It's such a big animation that it almost gives me like nausea. Like it's like overwhelming. And so if I'm going to use this feature, even if I end up liking the metaphor system and the actual management features, I, there's no way I could use this feature if the animation stayed as they are. And if you turn on reduce motion in accessibility settings, the animations just become simple fades, which is palatable, but then you're also um, punishing yourself because every other animation on the system is also affected by reduced motion. So I just want like a setting for reduced motion only for stage manager because the swoopy swoopy effects are on like a, you know, my laptop or my 16 inch MacBook Pro screen or my external display. They're way too noticeable and too in your face, and they they make me feel queasy. I'm not even like so many exaggeration. Love- Maybe I get used to it in time, but like it is so extreme that it's almost put me off trying stage manager again this week. I'm going to give it another go, of course, because I do want to get like a full understanding and make a full judgment on whether I actually like the idea or not. I mean, my my initial reaction is no, I'm not going to like it, but I don't want to dismiss it forthright. Yeah. And I haven't given it enough time, but immediately the animation issue is problematic for me. If it's nauseating now on your Mac, you'll love it in VR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Have you been uh, using Stage Manager? 
No, 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 no. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say what I think. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. just say what I think. Um, I don't know why anybody would would want this, or why, or or how they could they could prefer this. Um, it, it's it takes me. Like, I was looking at Apple's website for Ventura yesterday, just kind of thinking, like, what? Okay, what what is the marketing on this? What are they trying to present? And, um. It it really just seems to be like you're you just, like if you just like they show a video animation like you can click and replay it and it's on an IMAX screen and it's it's your windows all spread out you know overlapping each other and everything as you use a Mac and then you you play the animation and it goes to stage manager and everything goes off to the side but one window and it's like then you've got all your desktops showing and then your other ones are on the side hidden and. I I, re- I just kept replaying that over and over. <laughs> it's like, what am I missing here? And uh, I, I I can't, I don't get it. Uh, it's like, it's like, um, you know, if you, you can do command H to hide your window in front of you or, you know, minimize it. It's like, it's like that, but for everything but the window that you're using, I guess like practically if, if you're looking at not changing the metaphor, but just the functionality of it all. Um, so, so I, I just kind of don't get it. I don't get why somebody would prefer it. And I'm not saying like, if you do that, you're wrong. Um, but I, I, I just, I literally don't understand how this is a, a feature improvement, even as an option that you don't have to use. I, I understand spaces. I thought expose when it was a, a grid of spaces was a little more clever because you could go from like this, this corner to the you know top left to bottom, right. Um, I don't know if there's keyboard shortcuts for going from like, this this desktop to your your third desktop or your third full screen app. I use full screen sparingly, but it's it's just when I want to have like a full page web browser because I'm really into what I'm looking at, or um, I'm in the photos app and I want to have the most screen filled with what I'm looking at. Um, but otherwise, it, it's mission control. You know, it, it's where your windows spread out and you, you go from there, or command uh, tab or or the dock. You know, those are the ways that. Um, I, I kind of came up on the Mac and so they stick with me and maybe if you come up on, on the iPad with stage manager, then you come to the Mac and you're like, all right, you know, that you're familiar and, and there's, and there's, you know, you know, even as a Mac level user, like I am, there's obviously way more I could do this. You know, I, I don't do anything with terminal. I don't do anything with scripts. And so that may, maybe the way that. I use the Mac now would be like the equivalent of, of terminal and scripting versus, you know, somebody comes from the iPad and they prefer stage manager. But for right now, like the way I feel about it is I feel claustrophobic. I feel anxious. Like I can't do as much. And um, like, like I've disabled some features. It feels like um, I've turned my Mac into an iPad and I've got artificial limitations there. Uh, you just and feel it less makes, productive. It short. makes my yeah. throat close up. Like it's, just, it's <laughs> physical. It is. Um, and I think, you know, I think you ask like, you know, you can say that you really like it. And I want to, I want to think it's cool because it's so different and it's like this big change in the Mac that you can do, but it's, it's not it for me. So, and, and I'm, you know, I don't have to use it, so I don't use it. Uh, you're, you're certainly not alone in that yeah. opinion. And I think yeah. there's a good chance I will land exactly on the same opinion as you. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to give that assessment after you know, three or four days where I barely used it. So I'll give it more time and I'll let you know. Finally this week, we are sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. 
Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app that helps you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically, and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting your sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. Try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. I always think of things to say during the break. Uh, so I want to mention, I've used this on the 13 or 14 inch display and a 27 inch display. So I don't, I don't think, I think a lot of reactions I've seen are like, maybe I don't like this here, but maybe it would be better on a different size display, but in both directions, not for me. And then the last thing I'll say on stage manager, is, <laughs> um, have you ever listened to an artist that you like? And so they've got new music and you listen to it and it just doesn't hit for you. And you listen to it over and over and eventually it clicks like you, well, you just get used to it, I guess, or you want to like it. I, I think that stage manager for some people, like maybe I think that's what it'll be like, because you want to like it. And so you're going to force yourself to use it and eventually you'll just get used to it. But <laughs> that's what I've got. Uh, iOS 16.2 beta, the thing I kept wanting to talk about last segment. It's out. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> it's on the iPhone. It's on the iPad. There's a new new version of uh, macOS Frontier, the uh, 13.1 version. There's, there's a 9.2 version of the Apple Watch. Uh, there's a 16.2 version of the uh, Apple TV. And same thing for HomePods. And if, if you do all of those things, you update all of your things to those betas, uh, or at least your Apple TV and your HomePods and your iPhone, then then you can upgrade your uh, your, your HomeKit architecture to the, to the new stuff. So... Uh, that's you can change the foundation of your home to use apple's marketing parlance <laughs> now they actually say that on their home page on, they say, on the they say what? Home page on the website say it again they they change the foundations it's a foundations <laughs> pun it's uh okay all right you know like how houses have foundations don't they they do so that you change your foundations by upgrading to the new architecture that's that's an actual pun they use on that's the website. an actual pun they use yeah i <laughs> smart home stuff's kind of wonky and this is super wonky i would say yeah because you have to be careful because if you don't if you have other people in your in your household or you don't want to upgrade all your devices to a beta or when it comes out to the final release of point twos uh you don't want to upgrade because it'll make your smart home incompatible your home get home will not work on earlier os versions so it's a it's a clean break you don't have to upgrade but if you upgrade it's a clean break Uh, so you have to be careful supposedly if you do upgrade you're going to get a more performant and reliable experience i haven't been able to try it yet because i have uh original home pods and the in-app uh beta process for the home pod in ios settings doesn't let you upgrade home pods it only lets you upgrade home pod minis so unless you have the apple care seed beta you can't upgrade original home pods i don't have that seed so i'm not updating my home at the moment I've also been trying to look online to see the, you know, the aficionados that are like on the HomeKit subreddit and stuff to see if they updated and notice any difference. Hard to say. It's inconclusive evidence at the moment. A, it's a beta. B, it's only just come out. 
and it's not 100% clear what exactly is meant to be better or worse. Like they just say, you know, faster and more reliable, but you, you don't really find out about reliability in three days of upgrading something. It takes weeks and months to really know yeah. for sure if, for instance, the amount of no response errors you see from your accessories has gone down. So we're we're definitely in the wait and see period, but I'm fingers crossed it will be a lot better. Yeah, I, I tweeted out. I was looking for this a moment ago. This this is actual copy in the in in the iOS app for Home. Uh, home now has a new underlying architecture that will improve the performance of your home. Like that's my favorite piece of Apple copy. Like Home, I, home, I, home, home, home. I I get it. <laughs> it starts with Home. It ends with Home. Improve the performance of your home. Like that's uh, smart home stuff. Is like I, I used to love it, and now I'm just kind of. I don't know, frustrated by it all. But I've just is... moved, so I'm like into it again. You know, yes, I mean? it's, yes, it's yes. brand new, and I want to like get out properly. But I'm, I'm taking it slow. I've, I've got, uh, I, I've spoken Good. about it on the show before. I've got an indoor cam from Eve that I've been using a lot. That's great. Mm-hmm. I've got an outdoor cam from Eve that's also coming soon. So, and someone actually emailed me about this. It's happy hour feedback. They want to know my experiences with it. So cool. we will talk about it in the coming weeks. Yeah. The other big uh, thing in uh-huh. 16.2 is the addition of the freeform app. Yes. Uh, this was teased at WWC in the iPad section. So in a lot of people's brains, it got cataloged as an iPad feature, but it does indeed exist as an app across all of Apple's platforms. You can get it on the iPhone, you can get it on the Mac, and it's on the iPad too. It's like an infinite whiteboard kind of app. So you start a board, there's just an empty canvas, with a, and, and it starts in a set size, but if you add an element near the edge, it basically just makes the canvas bigger. So it is infinite, if or close to infinite, if you actually use the space. If you don't use the space, it's a smaller page. Uh, but you can add handwriting you can add arrows you can add text you can do like my maps you can add emoji you can add multimedia it's basically just like a whiteboarding app that's also collaborative because you can invite more than just yourself to work on a board and so if you have a project or something and you want to do it uh in a more spatially laid out way well here you now you can with the freeform app if you weren't already using one of the, the various uh options in the app store but apple's decided they want to get on this business too it seems to be built off the iWork foundations because it's very similar in terms of the gestures and the interactions. Like iWork has, on iOS has some really cool gestures. Like it has one finger rotate. So, you know, generally in iOS, if you're rotating an element, you've got to put two fingers down and twist. But what they recognize very early on with iWork is that you can, if you put two fingers down, a lot of the time you're covering the, with your fingers the element you're trying to see. So to make it easier to rotate in iWork, what you can do is if you put two fingers down, you start a rotation, you can then release one of your fingers and complete the rotation just with the other finger. It's a really nice little study. And because Freeform seems to be about like a, a branch of iWork, even though it's not branded under it, all those same gestures work too. So you can do one finger rotate, you can do match sizing, the alignment guides are all there. Um, so it's very powerful and very capable. And it's one of the most sophisticated apps Apple has launched in a very long time, I'd say. Uh, it's a bit buggy right now. Even the even the sixteen point two release notes say there's a lot of bugs, especially around syncing. Like you can't really delete a board right now if you make one, so you know just be aware and stuff. But it seems pretty interesting. I do wonder why the Apple is bothered to kind of enter this market now. I can't really put my finger on why, but I feel like there must be a AR VR component to this coming down the pipe. Like it just feels like something where. Apple's like productivity in VR. What we can do is we can have like a 3D whiteboard and you can put stuff wherever you want. That's just what I immediately thought when I saw this application. And yeah. I still think that now, but they haven't obviously announced anything relating to that. Presumably they'd be waiting on like a headset or something before they unveiled that part of the story. But if you do want to do like mind map style, spatial, real-time collaboration, now Apple has a first party option for you. 
Yeah, I think this is great on the iPad right now. And I was in that category of people who thought it was iPad only. So when it, when I saw it was on the Mac, I was like, whoa, I didn't know that. And you were like, yeah, it's even on the phone. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know that either. <laughs> Do you think that if you only used iPhone and Mac, that this app would be intuitive and It's useful? not very good on the phone. Okay. The it's just too for, small. The phone's for referencing then. Yeah. And you're not the phone's the for like, you want to check the board or you want to make like a tiny little edit to it or something. I don't yeah. think, I mean, so I'm sure some people will, but I was trying out. I don't feel like you have enough space. You want to be able to see more of the screen at once. You only get you a very a small viewport on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. On on the Mac, you're not on the beta yet, so I guess you don't have that experience, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. On the Mac, I've, I've, I've tried it there as well, and because I don't use an iPad, and, um, you know, you don't have this, you don't have this, the screen size issue at all because Macs are bigger than iPads. And, uh, but I think the touch element of it is very important, um, especially, or, or even just like shallow support. So, um, that, all that's of Apple where, screenshots show a lot of handwriting. For yeah. Instance, yeah. Like yeah. Even if they show it, on, yeah. they'll show it on the Mac, on a Mac display with handwriting that, you know, obviously came from an iPad. Um, and, and, you know, I guess next week we'll talk more about the iPad rumors, but, hmm. um, you know, you mentioned VR, I, I think also, you know, kind of like the iPad two had photo booth <laughs> to demo, uh, the camera. I, I think the, the bigger iPads will use freeform. It's like, you know, this is, this is a thing for those. So, yep. Uh, uh, I told you earlier too about this, but. So uh, I, I do plan to upgrade my home architecture, by the way. It's just that I've <laughs> got two when home- everything's ready. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, well, I'll do it on the betas, but uh, I've got uh, two HomePod minis that I don't have power adapters to them because I've been like borrowing them for like the watch charger or the phone charger when I'm traveling and like they disappear. <laughs> so if if my HomePods would let me update, I would do yeah. it. Yeah. 66% of my HomePods don't have power adapters. So they're just, <laughs> yeah. I, I did learn from this experience too, uh, in your discussion with Felipe Esposito in our chat and, and, and our Slack chat for work, that the, because the HomePod has USB C, like the, the cable, you just plug it into the mini, a Mac. The mini has USB C. The mini does, yeah. You just plug it into a Mac and, and you, you can restore it like an iPhone or something. So, I, Which is I why I think in the Home app, they let you do, they let you upgrade the HomePod mini to a beta freely because yeah. they know that if it goes wrong, you can restore it yourself. Whereas the OG HomePods, if they go wrong, they you have to send them off to Apple and they basically just have to do a, a unit replacement yeah i think maybe i thought that that wouldn't work because of the power because like it, it won't run on a smaller than 18 watt USB-C power adapter i guess mm, but i think i think the power requirements are just for the speaker part like it can run right, the, yeah. the chip you know on yeah. usb power yeah yeah which, which makes sense uh and then lastly the uh ipad 10 and the uh well the ipad 10's out the accessories for that are out so you've got a smart folio and a smart keyboard Board folio, magic keyboard folio. Magic sorry, keyboard folio as, as, as a trackpad. Yeah. My mistake. And then the uh, M M two iPad Pro eleven and twelve point nine inch, which brings the Apple Pencil hover feature uh, to the iPad line. So. Yeah. So in the reviews, the hover feature was a bit more useful than I just at first assumed because they do map it to like hovering with a trackpad. So if you're in Safari, you can get like the hover state that you get on a Mac by just holding the pencil near the screen and stuff. So there's quite a lot of places where you can use it. Yeah. And so that's cool. But the main thing that I just drew out of the iPad reviews was that the iPad 10, the the aluminium colors are legit. Like you have proper blue, proper pink, proper yellow. 
you said it reminds you of the the old like iPod colors, and that definitely is spot on because Def- they just De- look definitely the pink. Yeah. So good, yeah. Like none of these stupid power colors. These are proper colors. Yeah, very happy about that. Yeah, I I haven't seen them. Uh, there's a there's a new Apple Store in New Orleans and in Metairie that I've been to so many times over the last month, which means two times over the last month. But anyway, um, I, I saw that they have a brand new one in in the same look like it's in the same mall they revamped the store yeah yeah they went from the small the small one with like the aluminum you know housing <laughs> to the to the with the, i think there was like a three table it was three tables wide and then genius bar like all the classic stuff you know refrigerator door look for the the back the back walls and everything and then the new one is i don't know maybe like seven tables wide and then the the back wall is a pickup area so and I I feel like I did something wrong because I didn't know this was happening. You know, I, I feel like I should have known that this, this was going on and I didn't learn about it until the day after it opened. So and I was, I was out of town anyway, so I couldn't, couldn't have been there for the opening, but um, I, I, because of the iPads, I kind of want to go over, make the drive just to see the iPads, all the iPads in person in every color and the accessories. And, and then obviously the new store. So I'll probably end up over there this weekend. But yeah, I'm glad to see Apple products with proper colors, and I hope they do it on more stuff. <laughs> yep. All right, that is the happy hour for this week. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. And Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe for $5 a month or $50 a year, no price increase yet, uh, for the ad-free version. Uh, and then uh, you, you can leave subscribe a review. You leave a review. Yeah, that's yeah. free. That's free. To, to leave a review. You can I'm leave a rating. everybody that does that, of course. Yeah, ratings are even easier than reviews. You just click a star button and, and do no that. No ads uh, in the podcast app yet. No. Well, no, I did the ad earlier in the middle of your, your design talk for the casinos. So <laughs> <you know. laughs> I'm going to start leaving reviews for a podcast. It's just like ad recommendations. <laughs> ad recommendations. Uh, and uh, if you want to email Benjamin and I together, we've had some good emails lately, lately like mm-hmm. just really good conversational feedback um good stuff that, that's happy hour at nine to five mac.com benjamin you're on twitter at bzmao and i'm on twitter at apollo zach a-p-o-l-l-o-z-a-c and we will be back next week bye everybody bye bye